This is Shop Talk Radio, Episode 9, with Matthew Lloyd. Welcome to Shop Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, and on this show, we bring you inspiring guests to dive underneath the hood of the creative entrepreneurial lifestyle to bridge the gap between art, commerce, and inspiration. Today's guest is one of my longtime friends and visionaries, Matthew Lloyd. He's a brilliant individual and has an impeccable sense of design and a very refined visual taste. Uh, We started a few years back, well, 15 years ago, when we both worked at a small book publishing company. He's since then gone on to become the creative director at a number of places throughout the years and then onward and upwards to becoming the VP of brand experience at uh, Method, the soap company, and then the vice president of brand experience at Old Navy, where him and I got the chance to work together and create a beautiful brand book for them uh, with a whole new direction. He's since then quit that mid-six-figure job to pursue a vision of founding his own company called Mosey, where you create custom itinerary mapped experiences for your friends. While I was there in San Francisco, he created a Mosey for me, and uh, we went on it after we recorded the podcast. So check out Matthew's page at nickonkinshoptalk.com slash radio to see the images and check out the Mosey of where we went. In this episode, we dive deep into Matthew's outlook on life, primarily his mantra that he has tattooed on his arm, fear, regret, not failure. This is something that's always resonated with me as so many times we have such a big fear of failure we don't end up going and doing the things that we love in life. How we also take risks where we know we won't fail and how that equates to playing small in life. We also take a look at the vision of how he's used regular nine to five jobs as stepping stones to build his skill set in creating his own company and dream. We talk about ways to foster an environment of creativity across your organizations in all positions and how using the philosophy of design thinking in your business creates success. So many more nuggets in this one as well. So without further ado, let's get started. I say to you today, my friend, so even though we face the difficulties, of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. So today I've got my good friend Matthew Lloyd in the house, well, his house, as we're here in San Francisco. Matthew's a good buddy of mine, and we've had many years together. Yeah, and we certainly uh, have. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have you on the show. So give us a, tell us a little bit about what, you, what you're all about, what you, you're a creative director, VP of brand experience. You've had a lot of titles throughout mm-hmm. your, the time that I've known you. And um, yeah, kind of give us a background on, on where you started and where you're at now, or yeah. to the point where you're at now. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, um, 
started out my career in uh, after school in um, on the agency side, and uh, obviously you and I came up in Seattle together. And uh, soon after, I uh, started my own business and actually had a design firm when I was a bit younger and quickly learned that there were some, some many more experiences, many more journeys that I had to have before having my own business. Um, at least that's what I needed. So I uh, went back to agency life, eventually relocated to San Francisco. And in that time, I uh, really worked with some great people and, and realized that I had an actual love as a creative director, not only for creative, but also for strategy. Mm. So then I, uh, I went and worked on the brand side and ended up running, leading marketing for a um, company called Method that makes soap, um, which was an amazing experience. <laughs> it was great. And then I went to work uh, for The Gap after that, and in both cases, the VP of brand experience. So ended up running creative at, on the Old Navy brand and making commercials, making about 30 commercials a year. So it was quite a grind. Wow. So you're in charge of a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. The The team there was like 45. My, my team was about 45 or 50 people and just super inspiring creative group uh, of writers, designers, uh, filmmakers, and so on. Yeah. I mean, so I guess just so we're on the same page, what is the VP of brand experience? What is that role? Yeah, so um, really interesting. I think, you know, at, at its kind of most fundamental, you know, as I said, I I started as a designer. I uh, eventually became a creative director on the agency side. And then I think as you start to take that idea of creative director and you start to push it, what you realize is the, the modern creative leader is uh, is someone who isn't really going to stick to the same rules as possibly what we might have thought a VP of creative or a creative director has been or was in the past. And I think when you start to look at that, you you start to see that some of those really typical ways that we think about what a creative does, especially in the world of brand, are going to be some really simple, well, not at all simple, very meaningful, but but very traditional kind of steps or roles in in a bigger process. So you might think that the that person is going to lead design and tone of voice and possibly a bit of film, and that's great. But actually, as I think we all have seen, the role of a creative kind of blends and moves well outside of that in the world of marketing. So it's now it's about social. It's about a conversation. It's about how we how creativity in quotes really plays a role in uh, catalyzing a movement um, so I think once you start to look at it that way you realize that it really is about the experience of the brand um, and as creative thinkers and makers and doers we are we are in the business of creating experiences which actually has then just pushed me to think well geez you know I, I I'm afraid the world of creativity as a domain is not big enough um, and I want to start moving conversations. And everyone I talk to about that says, oh, you mean like, so essentially you want to be a CMO, um, which I always, which I think is funny because that was a dirty word for me for a long time. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, it's it's the suits in a sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, the ba- it's the people who tell you you can't do what you want to do. Yeah, but I mean, you know, that you're bringing a, a new perspective to the table, and you, you did your master's in, in something of that. What what exactly was that? Yeah, so I I, um, 
I did my master's at um, California College of the Arts, and uh, it's a master's in design strategy. Um, so it's actually, technically, it's an MBA. Um, and the reason I did that was because since I did come up through design, I think all of my business acumen really came by osmosis. Uh, it was about being in that space and, and learning those things as I went along. And soon I just realized that there was a kind of a connective tissue or a framework that I didn't necessarily have because, of course, I didn't, you know, in, in undergrad and, and in my experiences, I didn't really take... Uh, economics. Um, I didn't take operations. I didn't take finance, you know, those kinds of things. So just learning those things and pulling them in and, and making the world of creativity and the world of the expression of the brand actually stick together through really understanding how business works and how creativity can have impact on business modeling even. So. Yeah, I mean, that's such an interesting point, is especially in, in business, of how taking creating a business from a design perspective mm -hmm. can take you in a whole different dire direction. I yeah. Mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the really amazing thing that's wide open in the world of, of what creative leaders have available to them now. I think this idea that you can have a design-led organization is not not at all a new idea, but it's it's certainly one that's getting a lot more attention from even more of kind of the the staid business world. And and so I think as you think about really amazing businesses that have been around for a long time who are doing great creativity at a really massive scale, like I, I kind of think of, you know, some of the obvious ones are you know the fashion industry those are that's an industry that's been run forever by creatives uh or at least been driven the vision's been driven by creatives um uh and so you know we but that's been kind of cordoned off into a, a little section of business about this crazy world of create creative run businesses i think what we're seeing now through the advent of a lot of other um, influences, um, even as, you know, on one end, you know, players in the game kind of like IDEO who are bringing these principles um, into mainstream business, but also I think in programs like my graduate program where lots of different uh, even educational institutions are seeing the value of training people in design thinking uh, so that the way that we think about solving problems in business are is far bigger, far more holistic and driven by emotion and the power of an experience, not just by the bean counters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because like we have so much digital noise and so many things going on, creating a brand that stands out and, and all that noise is something that is, is a necessary these mm -hmm. days yeah uh, how's creating an experience um of a brand what have you learned in that through that process through what you, the jobs that you've had yeah you know i think it's kind of what i what i had just touched on i think the power of what we can do as creatives is to create it sounds simple, but it's so not, is create a, a a landscape of emotion. You know, that's obviously something I've always really respected about your work is you um, have given us a, a, a view, like a, 
a keyholes view into either what's going on in your your world or what's going on in your client's world, but d- doing it in a way that is so emotionally uh, exciting and moving. Um, and I think that's really the power. You know, I, I guess I didn't really mention what I do now, um, <laughs> which what, what I do now is I have this... Uh, fantastic team these incredible partners of mine and we we started a company called mosey m-o-s-e-y at mosey.com shameless plug um and um mosey is is uh this amazing exciting experiment and you know not not to really get into what we do specifically but you know everything that i've done in the past has really shown me that you can take what could be very a very technical space um you know especially working for method a very low interest space i mean mm. i'm i'm not the genius behind getting into that business but taking the space of soap and actually making it sexy and interesting yeah. um shows that you can really do that with anything and i think you know mosey as an app is you know in so many ways when i tell people that i'm you know in the space of experience uh and yet also we have a business that is a tech a technology company and it's uh uh, and we have an app. People are like, oh, it's so you make apps. I'm like, no, we don't make apps. You know, <laughs> um, we we actually um, are trying to create a way for people to experience a better life. Mm. Um, and so it really does come down to that emotion. It comes down to the power of telling a story, so that people are drawn into a way of seeing the world that is fresh and interesting for them. Yeah. Well, so now you're you're in that state now, and I kind of let's rewind a little bit. And you know, you left a you know mid six figure job to go off and start your own uh, company, and that's a, that takes a lot. You know, there's a lot. Of, there's a big cliff to jump off of mm-hmm. to do that. Like mm-hmm. What what's the story behind that? What fears were you facing in in that move? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it was, you know, I mean, as I look back on it now, it's funny that it was such a dilemma, you know. Um, you know, my my partners um, will laugh uh, if, if they were here in that, you know, everyone in the team jumped off from their jobs um, before I did. And I was kind of the last holdout for a number of reasons, but but part of it was, you know, yes, leaving the stability, which... I've always held that pretty loosely, but, you know, leaving a lifestyle, essentially, Mm. Um, but also, um, you know, worrying as to whether the track that I was on was going to be hard to enter later in life if I wanted to get back into it or um, worrying that I would lose relevance just strictly from a CV standpoint. So like what I had spent my career building, would I still be there if I wanted to return to it? Those were scary things. Um, but I had, you know, tucked enough, um, uh, a few bucks away and, uh, just knew that if I was ever going to have an opportunity, um, I would want this opportunity because these people I work with are so wonderful. And, um, and because our, our concept is so exciting that like if, if it was going to be a rocket ship, whether it was a rocket ship on a collision course, uh, with the ground (laughs) or whether it was going to go into space. Um, either way I wanted to be on that ship. So once I got my head around that, then leaving, uh, was easy. And, and you know, that was seven or eight months ago. So, so it's been exciting. 
I love it. I love it. It's it's always so interesting. Just uh, I think that's a, a big transition state that a lot of you know creative entrepreneurs or people that want to jump into doing their own venture uh they 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 have to face that you know leaving stability for the unknown and so what did that take from you i mean obviously probably a lot of vision and just passion of what and knowing and trusting yourself yeah yeah i mean i i think i think what's interesting is if you whether you work at an agency or whether you're on the brand side or i i think there's this interesting thing that happens which is you can do incredible things working for someone else and plenty of people do some of the people i respect most are employed um by big and small brands you know or or agencies um that that said i think that there's just this really amazing thing that you learn about yourself when you work for yourself or when you have your own company or in, in my case share a company and i think it just shook me awake again you know so many things that i had to get really good at that were big business things you know that were about um you know politics and uh, how to get something massive through the belly of the beast you know Mm. and yet when you work for yourself it is getting very small but meaningful things done It's it's much more of a ground war um, and so I think just getting my head around that once once I made the leap, I think was one of the biggest challenges that I needed to learn to work differently. And um, and I to a certain extent, I'm still I'm still learning that, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I've always admired about you is is just like we've always had this in common of like our own dreams and our own goals, and the route that you've taken is quote unquote, getting, you know, having real jobs as stepping stones for the greater vision. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's something that's admirable. I mean, what, what did you learn from each job along the way that's now carrying over into creating your dream? Yeah. I mean, I can reverse engineer that, which is to say, I, I really have no idea, you know, where I'll be in the future. I think that's the beautiful thing. Um, uh, about being an entrepreneur. But um, the reverse engineered version of that is, I think the road that I took is so incredibly powerful in terms of what I'm doing now, simply because, and actually, I didn't even think about this. My dad is the one who brought this to my attention. He's like, you walk into a room where you're meeting with CMOs or brand leaders or you know any of these people that I, how I, I spend my time forming partnerships for Mosey. Um, and building conversations about Mosey with big, big companies who we want, we want them to be engaged with Mosey. And I walk into a room with these people based on my past, uh, as my dad said, as, as an equal. So I'm not, not walking in as uh, someone maybe who's at the front of my career saying, I have a really good idea, please believe in me. I'm walking in as someone where they've they've seen what I've done and they're like, oh, this guy used to do what I do or this guy, whatever. So I think the reverse version of that is to say everything that I've built thus far has not been in vain at all because it's been to basically lay a ground groundwork for which I can now leverage my past in order to benefit Mosey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then and then basically working into my past, I just think each of those experiences, you know, uh, have been 
about learning things that I now use heavily. You know, it is about managing um, these relationships and learning how to work with creatives in such a way that we all win, we all realize our personal vision, Mm. but yet we're able to do that collectively to realize a a some total vision that's that's larger than the sum of the parts you know it's also about some of the stuff we talked about like how you know working for another brand you start to a work with really super creative like founders and leaders and collaborators all across a business that a lot of them aren't quote-unquote creative people but you learn that every part of the business is highly creative you know in its yeah. own way and uh you know I, I worked with a woman named andrea who was a cfo at method and i learned so much from her in terms of how creativity in the role of a cfo has everything to do with whether you can actually get your greatest ideas done Um, because you need a partner on the financial side who's willing to think different and new thoughts in order to accomplish great things that may be somewhat unorthodox you know so I, I think those kinds of things are really powerful lessons so that by the time I get here and, you know, we have our own business, we know that it's not the work of the creatives to to build out this brand and take big risks. It's the work of every single person that we hire and, and um, every single conversation that we have internally to say, okay, we have this big vision. How, how does everyone around the table get really creative in order to make that vision happen? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so in just in a sense of like fostering creativity throughout every position of the business. Mm-hmm, that's, exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. So you know, let's let's take it back to the past a little bit more. Like, mm-hmm. what what would you say were some monumental uh, moments growing up that have like really helped shape your story and your vision and where you're going? Yeah, um, man, that's a that's a big question. Um, <laughs> monumental moments you know i i have i feel like i have lived a a relatively modest life of um seeing small little things happen that later made a lot of sense Mm -hmm. um you know i i uh I was actually just talking to someone about this the other day where one of the really funny things that happened to me early on, but has been such a kind of a a model or an archetype for what's happened to me in the future or after that point. Um, When I was, uh, when I was a junior in high school, um, our, uh, they announced that our high school was going to be merged with our rival high school. Um, (laughs) and, and, um, and so, you know, everyone was bitching about it. And it was like, we hate those guys. You know, they're always on the other side of the stadium every time we have a football game. And, um, and I saw it as an opportunity. Um, and it was an opportunity to meet new people. It was an opportunity to, you know, together we could be that much stronger. And, and, um, and I, I was a, kind of an art nerd and a skater growing up. And, um, 
And so uh, they said, oh, and by the way, in merging the two schools, we're also going to be holding a contest to design the logo for the for the new school. Um, so I entered the con- I you know made a bunch of stuff that I thought was really great, and I I entered the contest, um, and I won. Um, I I won the logo contest between the two schools. I actually won first and second place, wow. um, which was hilarious. Um, and I look back on it now, and I'm like, oh, what complete crap. But whatever. Um, but what was really amazing about it is is that um, I spent the my senior senior year in high school, you know, basically in a brand project. I was, I was scaling that, um, you know, that logo was 30 feet across on the gymnasium floor and it was on letterman jackets and football helmets and letterhead and all this like stuff. And it made me realize I, that's the point at which I fell in love with this idea that you could, you could build an identity or a message um, or a point of view or a movement um, and have that thing capture people's hearts and minds and become a badge that meant them. Mm. Um, and I, I really think that's what a brand is today in, in so many ways, not, not to oversimplify it, but you know, seeing that in high school so early for me was like, I fell in love with it. I'm like, wow, you know, I created this thing. I didn't even have a clue what it would actually mean. Um, and all of a sudden, people wore it with pride, and it became the thing that they stood for. Um, and it was it was the banner that they would wave. Um, and still to this day, it's it's uh, it is the logo for the school, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, so so yeah, I used that br- quote unquote brand project to get into to school after that, and then it really just was the springboard for everything else that I had yeah. I did. So in a funny way, a high school experience for me was kind of a big monumental. <laughs> um, and since then, it's just been a like a shit ton of errors, you know, yeah. like just making mistakes and try. I mean, you've witnessed plenty of them, I'm <laughs> sure. Um, making mistakes and trying things on and taking risks and failing and, you know, backing out of things and saying I'm sorry and trying something else and all the while just kind of groping around trying to find what the true authentic version of myself is and and where my skills really uh, lie and how I could just find happiness in that. And that's really what the process of the last few years um, (laughs) has been. so and it's been good. It's made me. It's I first and foremost for me. It's happiness first, and then I find that happiness mixed with my natural sense of ambition or whatever you call it means that I'm just constantly pushing and pulling to find better and better versions of what I do. You know. Yeah, I mean, what you know, going through that, like you know, lot all these failures. What, what would you say is one of the biggest? "Quote unquote failures that you've had that have just like kind of slapped you up in the face and like gave you the biggest lesson." Yeah, um, man, I that's <laughs> there are so many, <laughs> there are so many. Um, you know, I I think you know I uh, or I mentioned early on I had my own business and I think doing that was exciting because I was just a couple of years out of college and I didn't really have any business sense. I knew I liked, I, I wanted to design things. I had plenty of interest in what I was doing, but eventually like the economy took a shit, 
and I realized that I didn't actually know what I was doing. Like I was kind of like in one of those glass box money machines <laughs> where, you know, they, they blow dollars around and you're just like reaching and grabbing for them. Um, and then one day um, they turned off the fan in the money machine and there was no dollars to grab. And I actually had to know what I was doing. Um, and, you know, so I, I had to close the operation down and go work for someone. But the the really exciting thing about that was I came back a different person. Hmm. Um, so I really, f I failed in the sense that it wasn't at all what I thought I would be doing. Um, but when I went back to work, I was just a different beast. I had, I had an eye towards business and what creating a bigger vision for a brand and a kind of a story through design and through hmm. words, what that meant. And lots of people who are way more talented than I was in des design school, you know, were still sitting behind a monitor somewhere really unhappy. And I mean, if they were sitting behind a monitor and totally thrilled about it, then God love them. I hope they're still doing it today, <laughs> you know, but um, at least at the time, you know, just kind of hating life. And I love the fact that I went out there, failed, ended up working at the same agency that they did after that fact and were doing things that made me more happy, you know? Wow. So, so yeah. And I feel like I've just had a number of those over the years, maybe not so colossal and, and hopefully I'm getting older and a little bit wiser and I'm not making them as often, but, but, you know, I feel like every day is kind of a day of like, try that on. Oh, that didn't work. Okay. Let's try this on, yeah. you know? Well, it's almost like it's not really failure anymore. It's like just learning what's in the gap between where you or the results that you're creating and where you want to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it kind of seems like failure, really failure now is just more being ignorant or being forgetful. It's mm -hmm. like you, you probably are quote unquote failing if you've already learned that lesson and you're doing it again, yeah. you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's like because it, it, before that point, it's somewhat charming. It's like, hey, I tried someone who uh, I tried it. Who knows if it works? Well, let's see. And then it doesn't. It's like you can't really call that failure. But, <laughs> but if it's like your third time doing it, and uh, <laughs> then it's like, no, you're failing. Yeah. It's kind of like the definition of insanity. Right? It, it kind, of, <laughs> kind of is. Yeah, doing exactly. the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, to the point, I love, you know, you know, we at one point all got tattoos together mm -hmm. and your tattoo says, fear, regret, not failure. Yeah. And what's the story behind that? Yeah, I read that uh, quite a few years back and, and um, it really changed me. Strange. And I know it may sound a bit cliche, but, and and especially thinking about why it would be a tattoo, but you know, it, it was one of those things where I was like, I, it, it kind of aligned with some other things in my life. And I realized that, that so much of what the way that I saw, not really the choices that I made, because I've, I've kind of swung in and out of trying things and being and taking risks and failing uh, a bit. But I, I also think that some of my personal identity was about really fearing that people think that I was a failure. So I'd certainly failed a bunch, but if I could, if I could continue to, to use that as a stepping stone upward, then I never felt like a failure, if that mm. makes sense. 
Um, but I also think that part of that for me, not to make this, uh, I, this is like the, uh, the Nick Onkin therapy session, clearly. Um, <laughs> um, no, but part of that for me, I think was, was really um, realizing that fearing failure um, meant that I feared rejection and I feared living in a state of not moving forward. And in so many ways, so many parts of my life, it meant that I would not take a risk. I would not take a chance if it meant that I thought I could lose. Mm. I, I think that's what was actually kind of funny about myself, especially when I was younger, is I wouldn't take risks unless I thought I, I could totally nail it. And then I was still not nailing it, <laughs> 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 um, which is kind of funny. That's like the gap between my self-confidence and my actual abilities. Um, but, but, you know, um, later in life, just kind of realizing that, I hadn't done a lot of things because I was worried about failing. Uh, um, and so when I read that phrase, you know, fear, regret, not failure, um, I realized that, you know, God, the only thing that I really need to confront is my regret because there are so many things that I haven't done and I, I regret that. Um, and so when I saw that, I was like, you know, if I could live with that as an idea every day of my life and really really internalize that, I think I would actually be a different person. Like I, I would actually execute differently. And so, yeah, when we went out, um, I don't think I thought too much about it, but um, I was like, I think this is something I want to live by. And so, yeah, we got our tattoos and uh, and my my um, right forearm has never been the same. Um, but it, it to this day, and even the conversation like this or whatever, you know, people ask me about it and I have to explain it. And every time I do, I'm like, yep, that's the life I want to continue to live. Yeah. Well, it's, and that's so powerful. I mean, you know, a lot of people, we don't talk about this kind of stuff. It's, it's underlying yet we're all feeling these things. And I know for myself, I've, I've felt similarly, um, yeah. just, you know, not taking risks because I don't, want to fail or I don't mm -hmm. want to, you know, I'll, I'll take risks only if I know that I won't fail. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, where in our lives could we grow if we were taking bigger risks? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, I think there's, you know, especially in San Francisco and the Silicon Valley, there's like, it's, it's all the rage to, to talk about, you know, the, the kind of the fail fast culture. Um, and it's, uh, I, I think it's really easy to glamorize failure, but it, it, as you just put, I think lots of times we call it failure when something doesn't work. Um, but it's typically because it doesn't, doesn't work in a very low risk environment yeah. or in retrospect. Um, if it doesn't work and yet after the fact we can say, ah, but we learned a lot or that we accomplished a lot. I think those are all really easy scenarios to say, say failure is good. But what's really hard is on the front end, before any of that happens, you can take a risk and you can be like, well, actually, this is a big, huge, really scary thing that might blow out my business. Yeah. Or it might damage my credibility. Or it might cast me in a poor light. It might be bad for my brand, you yeah. know, essentially. And I think when you confront those kinds of questions, then you really know you're living it. Mm. Um, when when it's like a failure situation and it's and not, none of those things are at stake you're just like oh let's try it then it's not really this this 
concept of failure as we've yeah. been talking about it it's more like experimentation and prototyping yeah you know it's, it's just a more positive way of looking at it yeah right <laughs> exactly but i mean you know the the positivity is is a different way of life mm-hmm. and it's it's a way to accelerate and head towards your dreams a lot faster yeah agreed um you know and and pushing through that like where you know you're a very passionate person and i've always admired that about you like where would you say your passion has come from yeah, well, my, um, <laughs> um, so I was raised by, um, two hippies, um, and, uh, <laughs> and they're, they are, conti- I mean, I just got back from Portland spending time with them and, and my sister, and, um, they are just such a constant source of inspiration and, and, um, you know, in so many ways, I was kind of cut from a different cloth to almost from birth. Um, but they, they have just had a way of living their life that is, that has been so inspiring for me. And it was how they raised me, which is that at the heart of everything we do, it is about helping and loving others. Mm. Um, and then it's also about chasing your dreams, living the life that you had imagined, you know? Um, and I think for me, that's, that's, always been the goal and i've been able to find that even working for other people and i've been able to find that working for myself um i've tried to find that in my relationships i haven't always been good at it um (laughs) but um they they are they are the ultimates in that uh in that world for me and um i think they charged me with a certain like a healthy balance of expectation in life so so this is something you must have and if you don't have that then you must rework Mm. um don't live don't waste a bit of your life uh, settling tricky word um because so much of life you have to work hard and may not even enjoy it that much for things that in the end you want um so i i think there's a there's kind of a tricky dichotomy there but but yeah, they they are just an incredible group of people, my family. And you know, my they have done the same thing in their life, worked and worked and worked in order to um, figure out the best possible version of what they do and they throw their lives into helping other people. Um that's what they do for a living. So, yeah. So you'd say, you know, having vision and dreams is a huge aspect of life. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think the mistake that we all make is thinking that it's a one size fits all solution. You know, you buy that book or you, you, you know, you, you tie yourself to a, a, a movement or a, or a religion or a, um, or a group of people. I really don't see it that way. I think it's, you, um, you have to, you have to listen to listen to your heart. Wow, that's like a song, isn't it? <laughs> it's really sad that I just said that. Um, no, but you ha- you really have to listen to the person that you are and really dig to find what the source of your happiness is. I think it was a um, uh, uh, Harvard Business Review um, article I read that basically had this Venn diagram with three circles and. Essentially, the three circles were um, uh, one circle was happiness, one circle was talent, and one circle was a market. And basically, the idea is as those three circles met in the middle, 
that was your sweet spot. So, you know, f- to kind of find something sustainable, whether it be spiritually or financially, you had to have those three circles. You had wow. to have something that made you happy, um, something that you were good at, <laughs> and something that the market wanted, um, uh, uh, essentially meaning there was value in it. And if you had two of those things, it wasn't enough. So if you had talent and something that made you happy and the market didn't want it, it means it wasn't going to be lucrative. Or if you something that made you happy and something that the market wanted, but you sucked at it, um, <laughs> you know, it's not going to go anywhere. Or if you are, which is this one's most common, if you had something you were great at um, and something the market wanted, you would do a good job at making money and you'd be horribly disappointed in your life yeah. um, because it just didn't make you happy. So, you know, that had a big impact on me. Maybe that's my next tattoo. <laughs> Who knows? Um, have a have a HBR tattoo. That's about as dorky as it gets. Um, but um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think that's that is the that is the goal. Yeah. And that's what I shoot for. That's awesome. I mean, that, that's such a I never even heard that before. And that's such an amazing like idea like how would you translate that into or utilize that into building a brand like what in, in the advice of you know the people that are listening who want to build a brand yeah. taking that and translating that yeah well i mean so much of the work that i've done over the uh, past number of years has been really around the subject of um of brand strategy and brand positioning and i think you know if if at the heart of what creates this this deep uh, emotional, uh, like intrinsically satisfying experience that we have with brands. I think when you peel back the layers a bit, you see that it, it is all in so many ways quite calculated, especially as a brand grows. And I, I think when you think about that diagram, I think how that plays out in a, in a business's um, domain or a brand's domain is very much the same way. You have uh, it really is about the story of positioning a brand. Mm. Um, you know, uh, uh, I'd say to take the place of the circle that's, that's you know, happy, <laughs> I think that is about how you create a culture of individuals who love what they do uh, within an organization. Mm. Um, and then I think in the circle that is um, talent, I think that is about a, a brand's core competency, what they create that has high impact that really connects with their customer Mm. and then of course market's pretty straightforward it is you know when you put all that together are you creating things that you can actually move that that people will will buy or engage with or yeah so and i think at mosey we're very much in the middle of that conversation as well you know yeah awesome well tell us a little bit more about mosey and where you guys are headed and and the grand the grand vision of everything. Yeah, sure. So, um, Mosey started actually as a, as a grad school thesis project and, um, and then it just turned into a business and took off from there. So it was our, it was a great evenings and weekends job for quite, <laughs> quite a, quite a while. Um, but essentially the, the core insight of Mosey was this idea that if, um, you know, if, if you're Nick Onkin and you live in Brooklyn, um, uh, you, you, you're, pretty used to this idea that someone is going to hit you up for, hey, Nick, I'm going to be in Brooklyn or I'm going to be in Manhattan. What should I do? Um, and w- as we saw that question be asked of, of 
ourselves, of our friends, realize there's like a super clunky way that people try to deliver that information. Yeah. Um, so it's usually full of anxiety, or if you're like me, then you procrastinate until they hit you up for it again. <laughs> um, and uh, and people keep really bad spreadsheets, or they keep, they keep they dig out an old email, and of course the, that information is antiquated. So what we did is we used APIs from um, Google Maps and and uh, Google Places, um, Yelp. Uh, Foursquare um, pulled it all together to create a tool at Mosey, um, uh, initially a, a tool at mosey.com, which essentially is um, a, a tool that allows anyone to create uh, what we call micro guides. So they're little guides. Um, usually they're four to five places. Um, that's a very linear place to place. Um, connection with a neighborhood. Mm. Um, so we kind of think of it as uh, what is your perfect four hours anywhere. Um, and through doing that on Mosey um, and now um, in the App Store, um, you essentially can uh, follow and be followed. So it's an asynchronous following system um, and uh, with really social at the core. And it is about um, a, a much better way to uh, discover places, but it's not just about places, it's about experiences. And I, I think kind of from the questions that you were asking me before about leveraging my, you know, what where I've been versus where I am now, I think that's probably the biggest difference is, you know, I care most about the satisfaction of an experience. And I think if you're in the places business, like maybe Yelp or, or ever places or something like that, you're um, recommending a place for someone to go, but what you're actually doing is you're putting them in someone else's experience. And I think what we're doing at Mosey, which is really interesting, is when Nick Onkin creates an experience for Matthew Lloyd, he stitches together you know, four or five things in a way that I can spend four hours in Greenpoint or whatever. Um, all of a sudden, I give Nick credit for that experience. I don't give credit to the one restaurant that Nick sent me to. Mm. Um, so now Nick has curated a, an experience for me that I think is far more powerful and very unique to our experience. We kind of think of it as a mixtape, but of experiences, <laughs> you know? So Yeah, I love that. And, you know, we're about to go on our own mosey after yes. this. Yes, we are. And so I'm going to get the Matthew Lloyd curated experience for the next four hours which um, you guys will be seeing in the post. Uh, we're going to go out and take some photos and mosey around San Francisco. So for those of you finding this podcast not off the website, you can go to nickonkinshoptalk.com, click on the radio section and find Matthew Lloyd's podcast. And there'll be links of our mosey and some photos from there. So very excited about that. Um, but onward and upward, what is beyond mosey? What is the grand vision of Matthew Lloyd? <laughs> Beyond Mosey. Wow. You know, um, interestingly enough, I'm, I, I've been very fortunate to have um, some really great people in my life. And one of the things that I have always been pretty good at, um, as they've asked that question, so mentors or friends like yourself, is to be able to kind of look into the crystal ball of my future and know where I want to go. Yeah. I think what's really funny about where I'm at right now um, with Mosey is it's the first time in my life when I haven't been able to do that. Wow. Um, it, there's, there's plenty of things that I'm interested in, but I think as I kind of try to, cr cr try to kind of connect the dots between 
the world that I live in now and what I want to do in the future, it's about as murky as it's ever been. Um, I think when you work for someone else, you can see, oh yeah, clearly, you know, I work for this brand. I'd rather, you know, like in the future, I'd love to work for this brand or I'd love to be in this, you know, category or this vertical, or I'd love to get that next job that is this, you know, it's really easy to kind of plot things out. I think as an entrepreneur, um, you look at your business and and say, you know, I'd love for us to be X, you know, I'd love for us to have, you know, a million users, that would be the next best awesome thing. And we have plenty of those metrics. But um, for me personally, I look at it and say, I would love to be more, even more happy. You know, I'd love yeah. to find new and other ways of thinking about my skills and how I can, you know, leverage those. I, I think like you and I were talking about earlier today, um, you know, I very much see myself building a lifestyle brand in the future. Yeah. It's where I've spent most of my career. Um, uh, you know, I, I love the space of fashion. Um, so, you know, I could easily see getting into those spaces and, and building or, and or leading companies in, in that space as well. So, yeah, I love that. Yeah. And so, you know, that's now that we're talking about that, it's something that I've always, you know, another thing that I've uh, admired about you is your attention to detail and you know creating an aesthetic you know and and creating those details together like what what would be your advice for you know learning how to do that you know if you're if i was to go and do that which i am i'm working on in that world is how do you refine your taste and refine your point of view yeah yeah it's it's i i wish i had a really good answer for that um and it's really funny. I remember early on in my career, I had this uh, creative director who was just horrible. He was just like one of the one of the meanest, uh, most difficult people who actually taught me a ton, but um, really hard to work for. And so, you know, I was early in my career. I, you know, the bottom line is I didn't really have. I, I came out of school with things that I liked, but it was a bunch of like like distant pieces of a puzzle. It didn't come together in a very succinct, like tight idea yet. It just wasn't there yet. I probably hadn't seen enough of the world, you know, <laughs> that's probably the bottom line. And so I'd put things in front of him and just in an instant, he'd be like, yes, no, yes, this is horrible. I like this little thing here. And it just mystified me. You know, I was like, "How do, what, what is he looking for? How does he know? And so my answer to your question is, I think the best thing that a brand can be is a point of view, just a, uh, and you can't really teach people taste. Um, I think people can learn ways to live. It's kind of like uh, we were talking about last night where, um, you know, certain people can learn how to dress really well by learning some rules. Um, and by following those rules, they look put together most of the time, which I think is, <laughs> is, is great. You know, it's like so many things in life work that way. Yeah. And then there's people who just kind of operate in a very free flowing, highly inspired place. And when you see what they're doing, you're like, oh man, I hadn't even thought of that. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. You know? So I think, I think brands are like that as well, where people who may not necessarily have a, a really strong sense of touch in that can learn some really great rules along the way. Um, and there's obviously plenty of sources for that. Um, but then there's just people who are going to come with that really unique point of view that yeah. is just will constantly challenge you and push you. I, I think we're doing that, certainly doing that at Mosey. I know that 
that um, you know that was one of the things that I learned working for um, working for Method um, is they ha- they had um, a really fantastic and unique point of view on what should happen in that space. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. And I mean, speaking of how, you know, another piece of advice and love from you is like, how, how do you foster creativity within your organization? Mm-hmm. You know, like we talked about earlier, it's like getting every person on the team to be in a creative space to better the overall vision. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, tricky as well these are good questions <laughs> um, no that's tricky I, I think I think the reason that's tricky is because that's a highly cultural question you know I I'm if you haven't noticed already I'm always skeptical of people who say we have the answer I think saying we have the answer sells books um, <laughs> and it sells diets and it sells all sorts of things but like statistically these things don't work I think I read once that the average like on the high end, the average diet has meaningful impact, long lasting impact on 3% of the population or 3% of the users. And I think that's kind of these things as well. There's certain little things here and there that people who have succeeded say worked for them. Yeah. And sure. Yeah. Go try it. That's great. But it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to work for you Yeah. because I think they, these are very, very complicated dynamics, you know? Yeah. Um, the, I you know some of the 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 um, some of the ones that tend to work the most are the big kind of big lessons and rules for life. You know, it's like fostering creativity is going to be better in a space of you know people who respect and like each other. You know, you could say that for anything though, yeah. um, or it's going to be far better in a space where. Um, people feel uh, comfortable and supported and are uh, given the room to go out on a limb and try things, you know. Um, But I mean, you could say the same in a romantic relationship, you know. Um, So I I just think what I've seen and where I've seen the most success personally is that people do best when they uh, are surrounded by people that they like and they all feel very tightly aligned to a vision. And actually, I would say the most important thing I've learned on this front is align yourself with great people. So people that you um, respect, um, whether it be, I I should say, certainly for their talent, um, but also as people. Um, And then I kind of feel like at that point, uh, there's really nothing you can't do together because you can change paths you can go through hard times um you can critique each other's work but as long as there's that mutual respect and you really believe in each other and you support each other creativity becomes a lot easier a lot a lot less dramatic you know love that (laughs) awesome cool well one last question here what does live inspiration mean to you ah you know, I, I we're obviously sitting in my place right now. I uh, and you probably know this about me, but my uh, I love beautiful. <laughs> I love beautiful. I, I just love beautiful things. I and beautiful isn't always cliche. It's not always you know what comes off a runway or what's in the pages of a magazine. But I just love beautiful things. I love beautiful 
people. I love a beautiful spirit. Um, I love, I love, I, I love beautiful cars. I hate that that's a vice of mine, <laughs> but it really is. Um, no, but I just, I, I, you know, every choice that I make in my life is moving towards beauty. Um, it's not just any couch. It's this couch. It's not just any relationship. It's this relationship. It's this dog. <laughs> you know, it's this, uh, you know, on it, it's this city, it's this neighborhood, it's this houseplant, like every single bit of it is being put there in for me in my life, because it matters because it fuels inspiration. Mm. You know, it is a, it is a small piece in a large structure that says that everything is meaningful and driving in motivating me to see beauty in everything I do. And I think why that is so meaningful in terms of vocation, in terms of what I'm building, is then when I see something that stands out, you know, something that's not beautiful, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah. And I and I, I'm able to call it out and not settle. Yeah. You know? So that's probably for me at least living inspiration. It is about trying to be immersed, be marinated in that space of of beauty. Um, and it just creates an environment where I expect that of myself. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, I mean, you've inspired me to go and re- rebrand my house or create <laughs> a new aesthetic in my in my apartment in New York. It's uh, you've definitely created an inspiring environment in your place here. So cool. Um, well, yeah. Thanks for coming on. And where you know, where can we find you on the internet if somebody wanted to check check you out? Yeah, of course. Well, I'm I'm probably dried up and done most places except for <laughs> Instagram. Um, so please uh, check me out uh, at uh, Matthew Lloyd M A T T H E W L O Y D just one L um, on Instagram and also um, on Mosey. Um, please, please definitely check us out on Mosey. Just go to mosey.com um, and search for me there and and um, sign up for Mosey as well. We'd certainly love to have you. Great things are going on. I think you'll enjoy it. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Yeah. Thank you, Nick. This is fun. Sweet. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode of Shop Talk Radio and joining me as we dive underneath the hood of the creative lifestyle. Again, I am your host, Nick Onkin, and if you enjoyed today's episode, then go over to iTunes and leave us a good review so that we can spread the word and inspire even more people in the world to live inspiration and share their inner creativity. Also, we'd love to see where you're listening to the podcast, so snap a photo on Instagram, hashtag liveinspiration, or tag me at Nick Onkin so that you can inspire other people to listen wherever they are at. But beyond this, check out nickonkinshoptalk.com to read articles on creating the creative lifestyle anywhere from emotional intelligence to any other aspect of creative entrepreneurship. I'll be also posting up editorial content in the form of visual essays that I get to create with my photographic eye and my craft and my career. Uh, But most of all, you get to join the underground creative community that we're creating. So thanks again for joining us. Now go share your creativity with the world. Oh.